Hello everyone and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host Tyler Callahan and we got a lot of news to go over. We have the numbers from Labor Day weekend, the latest on the strikes, and what is going on with streaming. Let's start with the domestic top five. With it being Labor Day weekend, the top five will be in a four-day format to include Monday. With that being said, Opening in first place is The Equalizer 3 with 42.2 million. In second place was Barbie with another 13.1 million for a total of 612 million. Third place was Blue Beetle with 9.2 million for a total now of 58.5 million. Fourth place was Gran Turismo with 8.5 million for a total of 30.6 million. And in fifth place was Oppenheimer with 7.5 million for a total of 310 0.5 million. For Sony, they had a great weekend thanks to The Equalizer 3. It became the second biggest opening movie for Labor Day weekend, which, thanks to Shang-Chi, has now started to become a weekend where studios will release a big movie. And compared to the rest of the franchise, the third movie held up well. If you compare the three-day numbers, Equalizer 3 earned 34.6 million, while The Equalizer 2 opened 36 million back in 2018 very consistent. So I guess it's not too surprising with Denzel Washington in the lead role. He is one of the few that will get people to go to theaters. Also, a quick shout out to A24 where Talk To Me is now their highest grossing horror film. Over the weekend, the film totaled 44.5 million, passing the previous number one hereditary at $44 million. In China, Oppenheimer debuted in first place with 21 million for a total of 30.3 million. This is because the film opened in the middle of the week on Wednesday. In second place was No More Bets with 15.2 million for a total of 499.3 million. Third place was Papa with 7.4 million for a total of 75.4 million dollars. Fourth place was Creation of the Gods 1, Kingdom of Storms with 6 million for a total of 346.7 million. And in fifth place was The Woman in the Storm with another 2 million for a total of $21.6 million. Oppenheimer had what I would say is a great debut in China, considering how other Hollywood films have performed this year. This right out of the gate is one of the better performing ones. Also, word of mouth seems to be great as well, with it getting an 8.9 on Doban and a 9.5 on Moyan. So right now, this will clearly pass $50 million there. The question now is, can it hit $100 million? We will have a better idea of that after the second weekend numbers come in. Now let's take a look at the worldwide box office. Just a quick note, these won't include the domestic Monday totals. The Equalizer 3 earned $26.1 million for a worldwide opening weekend of $60.6 million. Oppenheimer earned $49.7 million, a huge part of it thanks to China, and now has a worldwide total of $851.3 million. It will be close, but it looks like the film won't reach a billion. I hope it doesn't. Who knows? Maybe Universal will do a re-release during the award season. But it is crazy. We are talking about, oh no, it won't reach a billion. When a few months ago, people were wondering if it, ev it could even hit half a billion at the box office. Barbie earned 13.2 million for a worldwide total of 1.38 billion. Meg 2 the Trench earned 8.5 million for a worldwide total of 375 million. This really has become one of the more 
quiet success stories of the summer, uh, a lot like Insidious the Red Door. Gran Turismo is now at $79 million for worldwide after earning $8.7 million internationally over the weekend. Blue Beetle passed $100 million worldwide with it now at $101.9 million. And Haunted Mansion is still crawling to it now at $99.7 million worldwide. As for news in Hollywood, let's take a look at the strikes where not too much happened. The WGA has told its members that privately some of the studios want to strike a deal and move forward and how even some of the things the studios said publicly were deal breakers for them they would consider agreeing to. Well, that's nice to hear that has not moved anything forward in getting, in getting the WGA and AMPTP back into a room to negotiate, so we will still wait on that. On the SAG side, the union's president, Fran Drescher, was re-elected. Yes, even with the strike ongoing, the union kept up with their election for president, which she easily won, with the term being for another two years. In regards to relief for people during strikes, the Entertainment Community Fund announced that they have distributed $6 million since May 1st to cover 2,885 people. Also, the latest film to get an interim agreement is Taylor Swift's Era Tour. Not sure why she needed it. Maybe she is a SAG member. Not sure about that. Um, anyway, this does give her the all clear to promote it for its release. Not that it really needs promoting, considering how dedicated her fans are. Now let's talk about some release date changes. For A24, they are pushing back Priscilla a week, with it now opening November 3rd. This makes sense. Etiquette's away from Taylor Swift, and with Dune Part 2 gone, uh, it's, it's free real estate. Sony is also changing the release date for Dumb Money. It will be keeping its platform release, where it's limited and then goes wide. But now, instead of opening October 6th, it will open on September 29th. Again, this also makes sense to get, a, get it away from both uh, Taylor Swift and The Exorcist. The director of the surprise hit Sound of Freedom will be working with Angel Studios again for the release of his next film called Cabrini. It is set to come out March 8th next year, and Angel Studios has also released a trailer for it as well. Deadline is exclusively reporting that Lionsgate has closed a deal for the domestic rights of the upcoming The Crow reboot. The reboot stars Bill Skarsgård and is directed by Rupert Sanders. This is a reboot from the original one back in the 90s where sadly Brandon Lee died on set. The deal deadline reports is in the eight figures, with international rights being handled by Film Nation. As for a release, it's set to come out sometime next year. In the lead up to the Venice Film Festival, Neon has bought the worldwide rights to Anna Duvernay's next film, Origin. The film is a biopic about Isabel. Wilkerson and is set to premiere at the film festival. DuVernay will also make history at Venice being the first African-American female director to premiere a film there. Neon says they plan on releasing the film by the end of the year, so not too long of a wait. Another movie premiering at the Venice Film Festival is In the Land of Saints and Sinners. It is a Irish crime drama and stars Liam Neeson, Kerry Cardone, Kieran Hines, and is directed by Robert Lawrence. This is Neeson's second time working with Lawrence with the first being for The Marksman. The rights for the film have already been divvied up, with Netflix getting it for the UK and Ireland. Uh, domestically, Samuel Goldwyn has the rights to it and plans to release the film theatrically first, sometime in the fall. Deadline is exclusively reporting about a film package available at the Toronto International Film Festival. The film is called The Beast and stars Samuel L. Jackson as the president, with Joel Kinnaman as the Secret Service agent. 
The plot of the film is that Jackson has to use the Beast, which is a special armored limousine for U.S. presidents, to defend himself and his secret service agent against the militia. The film will also be directed by James Madigan. It sounds very similar to White House Down, though based on what we know so far, it sounds like this won't be taking place at the White House. Quentin Tarantino will be filming his last movie, as he says right now, called Number 10 in Los Angeles. As he was approved for a tax credit for around $20.2 This is one of the big films we will be hearing about a lot more whenever the strikes end. We have an update in the Jonathan Major's domestic violence case, and that is the trial has been pushed back again. While it was supposed to start the first week of September, it has been pushed back, and they will meet again on the 15th to set a new date. 20th Century Studios released a trailer for their upcoming biker film, The Bike Riders, with it set to come out December 1st. For POD Premium, let's start with Warner Brothers, where they announced that Barbie will be available digitally on PVOD starting September 12th. It'll be available at all the regular digital stores for $29.99 to buy and $24.99 to rent. Over at Paramount Plus, Mayor of Kingstown has been renewed for Season 3, and for Lawman Bass Reeves, they released a trailer for it and a release date as well, with it coming out November 5th. Amazon Prime Video has a new holiday movie coming out soon called Candy Cane Lane, starring Eddie Murphy. It comes out December 1st. Also coming to Prime Video a lot sooner is The Burial. This is a drama film starring Jamie Foxx and Tommy Lee Jones. They released a trailer for it and it comes out October 13th. For Netflix, they showed off more of the sequel to Chicken Run, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. This includes new images from the film as well as a teaser trailer. It is set to come out sometime later, later in the year. Look, I loved the first one as a kid, so I'll probably give this one a watch. Netflix also released a trailer for Pain Hustlers, starring Emily Blunt, Chris Evans, and is directed by David Yates. This is one of the films Netflix bought at the Cannes Film Festival earlier in the year. It does give off some uh, Wolf of Wall Street vibes, and while I don't think it'll be good as that, if it even comes close to it, that's good enough for me. It comes out on Netflix October 27th. Now let's go to Roku, where they are not having a good time, as they are looking to cut down on cost quite a bit. Sadly, this means layoffs with the company, laying off 10% of their staff, or around 300 employees. Hopefully, they'll land on our feet uh, as soon as possible. Another move they are making to reduce costs is to reduce content from the Roku channel. In a filing, Roku says that they expect to take a hit between 55 to $65 million due to removing content. This is the content impairment charge that other streamers have been hit when they do this. As for what content will be removed, it was not made clear by Hulu, but Variety is reporting that it will be Roku Originals that, uh, you know, that are not attracting new viewers, and this would include the Quibi library they bought a while back. It seems that they are changing tactics a bit, and while they are still focused on growing the Roku channel, it will be spending less money on originals, and instead just build up a library of licensed content. For Apple TV+, Plus, they released a teaser trailer for Monarch Legacy and Monsters, and we also got a release date. It is set to premiere on November 17th with two episodes, and then a weekly release until January 12th. The streamer is also increasing their international content with a German show called Where's Wanda? The dark comedy focuses on parents who take matters into their own hands in trying to find their missing daughter after months of waiting for the police to find her, and nothing comes from it. And we finish up with Disney. 
First some release dates for Disney Plus. Elemental comes to the streamer on September 13th. And Haunted Mansion arrives on October 4th. It's no surprise Haunted Mansion arrives early in October. As it basically is Disney's big showing for the Halloween season. Now will people actually go to Disney Plus to watch it? Is the question. Disney and Comcast have agreed to move up talks about Hulu. With both signing a modification to the agreement. Instead of waiting until the start of 2024 to begin negotiations. They can now start on September 30th. I take it this means they both have an idea on where this is going to go, and now they can start negotiating the details. Lastly, Disney is now in a battle with Charter. While this is not exactly a VOD premium story, Charter is making the case it is. So what happened is Disney and Charter, which have a cable company called Spectrum, could not agree to terms on a new contract to air Disney channels. This meant that for Spectrum customers, they lost access to ESPN, FX, among other Disney cable channels. This happens all the time with companies and cable providers and is usually resolved in a day or two. However, this still has, has not been resolved. As for why not, well, from Charter's perspective, they want a massive change to the usual deal. Their issue is that usually all the premium content that would be only available on cable channels first and then go online is now moving to online first. Think of FX. All those hit shows, you don't go to the FX cable channel to watch. You now go to Hulu, right? They've been, you know, Disney's been saying it's FX on Hulu, FX on Hulu, not FX your cable channel. On top of that, Charter ideally would like to stop the loss of cable subscribers that all cable companies are dealing with. And one way to do that is to lower the price of cable by separating ESPN out from other Disney channels. Part of the reason Disney can command a lot of power in negotiations is that they bundle all their channels together. Charter wants to break that. They also added a compromise to not getting exclusive content like they used to. And with that, the compromise being they want Disney Plus added as a free bonus for their cable customers. So far, Disney has pushed back on all of this and instead are now telling Charter customers to sign up for Hulu with live TV instead. This to some degree was a long time coming as cable companies uh, continue to die out. The issue here is ESPN itself commands a large cost of the bundle for, for channels that Disney offers. And well... There are a lot of cable subscribers who would like a cheaper bill and remove ESPN if they don't want to watch it. Also for cable companies, they are now hearing from Disney publicly that they are looking to make ESPN a proper streaming service with all the content they have. I think the cable will continue to decline and I don't think this changes it. But Disney might have to make a few concessions here because while it is declining, it still provides them with a lot of revenue and that is what they need to right-size Disney Plus and pay off their debt. For everyone involved, they are all walking on a tightrope. And that's it for this episode of Box Office Receipts. If you want to follow me on threads, Instagram, X, Facebook, uh, links to those are in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.